If you don't have nutrients, vitamins and minerals coming in, you can't build your body up. If you don't have excrement and waste going out, then your body becomes toxic and poison. And the same thing with emotional health. The emotions need to go through. Memories need to go through. If you have an emotional buildup, there's no exit. How can you let anything that's good, that builds you up, that nourishes you on a soul level come in? You need to have that flow. Health is flow. Welcome to Hope to Recharge podcast. Thank you for joining me here again today. Every week we meet here to break the stigma around mental health and to bring you insight and inspiration and lots of practical tips from personal stories or professionals around the world that share how they turn their journey of mental health into healing or to thriving. Together we will break the stigma one story at a time. In mental health together is always better. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm your host, Matana. Let's get started. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com, the leading online platform for therapy. If you're looking for easy access to thousands of licensed therapists, go to BetterHelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. That's BetterHelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. No better time to get started with mental health. Take advantage of this 10% off. Just press the link in the show notes, BetterHelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Nili Grutman is a nutritionist. She has many years of experience of helping people heal through nutrition. And what does nutrition really mean? This conversation is really hands-on tips on how to use nutrition for our mental health, how to use nutrition for any kind of healing. If you know anyone that is struggling with nutrition or struggling with anything in life that they want an out from, they should listen to this episode about nutrition because what we feed ourselves becomes us. What we put into our body becomes our body. Thank you for listening. The art of becoming a better eater or losing weight or whatever it is that you want to use as a, a discipline for nutrition is coming from the energy of withholding mm. and restraint. And it's really not that at all. Nutrition should always be something that you use as a giving an energy of giving. And when you give yourself healthy foods, it should be an energy of giving. It should never be something that you utilize to restrain yourself or withdraw or withhold. And so it's not about giving up or restraining yourself from the foods that you do enjoy eating or feed you or give you this feeling of nostalgia. It's not about restraining yourself from that. It's about having the balance of what else that you can give yourself. So that you have space for two things. And I think that if people develop that approach within themselves, then they'll, they'll have a lot more balance. Yeah. And I want to add to that, that I remember somebody talking to me about this and they said, you can hate yourself into eating properly. You have to love yourself into eating the right food. 100%. And it was 100%. such a mindset change for me is Stop saying, oh my God, Matana, you're eating unhealthy food. Oh my God, why are you always running to the chocolate and the ice cream and the whipped cream and whatever? Understand the why you want it and love yourself into giving the correct things and being okay with that. Yeah, I think that anytime, anytime you put your attention on something, that's what's going to grow. If you put your attention on your behavior that you don't want to continue then that behavior is just going to keep growing. But if you put your behavior in resolution, then 
what you're really essentially getting is resolution. And so then the desire to hide away from whatever it is that's bothering you is not really going to be there because you're so attracted to resolution that there's nothing that you need to recover from. And so therefore, food becomes something that you use only for pure enjoyment and nourishment and not... Correct. So I want to just tell you my personal journey with mental illness. When Why do I know that there's such a strong relationship between it? Why? Because as soon as I got anxiety, depression, panic attacks, it was triggered by food. And I saw the direct relationship with it. And one of the things that I hear all the time is, how long did it take you till you can have a cup of coffee again? How long did it take you till you can have chocolate again? There was these patterns that I'm hearing from people over and over. There's a relationship between mental health and what we put in our mouth. There is a relationship between it. And I, I know that when I was going through my journey, I needed to really watch closely what I am feeding my soul and my body in order to really create a better me, a better brain, a better energy, physical, mental. A hundred percent. The way that I look at it, I try to explain things in the most simple way possible. Even though I'm a very scientific person, I feel like anything that's scientific, you could explain really simply. And the reality is that your house, your body is a house. It's a sanctuary. And it's a sanctuary for your mind and your soul to reside in. And if that sanctuary is not developed, is broken, has holes, doesn't have a foundation, then how can your mind and your soul reside comfortably? It's impossible. And so if people looked at it like that, if people looked at the way that you eat is one, one reason is so that your body becomes a complete and whole sanctuary for your mind and your soul to reside in, then people wouldn't have this negative association. Oh, I should be eating this or I should be eating that. They would take it, they would look at it as if it was just this really phenomenal opportunity to just be present. And so if you think about it that way, it makes so much sense that what you eat affects how you feel and how you think beyond just the scientific implications, right? The scientific implications of what happens when your digestive tract isn't in harmony or when your hormones are off or when your thyroid is off or if you're dealing with adrenal fatigue, all of these different things affect your mindset. So I, I really wish, and it was such a wonderful thing when you reach out to me in regards to this in regards to this interview, I was just so happy to take this opportunity and just inform people that this should really be the mindset. Make your body whole so that your mind can be whole, so that your spirit can be whole, and that you can operate from this place of wholeness. And it's when you operate from this place of wholeness that you can make the best decisions for yourself. Or, And even if you're not there yet, any decision that's for that intention will get you closer to whatever it is that you want to have in your life. Amen. I'm into that. And we speak about a lot of times on the podcast, we speak about becoming the true vessel to receive the goodness. Mm. First of all, when we create our body as a vessel, we have to remove the negativity. We can't bring mm -hmm. a vessel that's full of garbage and dirt and it's full and then say, okay, pour the positive into here. There's nowhere for it to reside. It's so true. And you basically said something that I say about health. And this is another thing that I would really like to share because, again, if you understand things in a simple fashion, then everything could be compared to it. So my definition of health, my, my very simple definition of health is when you have a flow of allowing everything that needs 
to come in and everything that needs to come out to go out. And so that's the same with food and nourishment. For example, if you don't have nutrients, vitamins and minerals coming in, you can't build your body up. If you don't have excrement and waste going out, then your body becomes toxic and poison. And the same thing with emotional health. The emotions need to go through. Memories need to go through. If you have an emotional buildup, there's no exit. How can you let anything that's good, that builds you up, that nourishes you on a soul level come in? You need to have that flow. Health is flow. 100%. And one of the avenues is food. Right. One of the flows 100%. is, it, one of the channels is food because we can't live without food. No, There are a few things. We can't live without <laughs> sleep. We can't live without food. We can't live without breath. And we can't live without drinking. There's certain things that we just cannot let survive without. And the more we're aware of it, that it's part of our constant routine. And I believe that God gave us these routine constantly for a reason. That, as you said, it's a flow in and out and a cycle, constant cycle. Like a breath, is it a mindful breath? Or is it a toxic breath? Now you're making me think. No, really, because if you think about it, what is a panic attack? We take our breath in in the wrong way, which is toxic to our body, and it goes into a, a reaction of a panic attack, which feels like death, versus a mindful breath that's so healing and energetic and calming. It's the 100%. same thing with food. So Neely, before we go deep into conversation, give the audience a little bit of a background with your love affair with nutrition and how you got to it. And you say you're your own best result in the nutrition. So let's hear. So I have a very dynamic relationship with nutrition. I grew up in a really healthy household. I grew up with a, a grandmother who was just a force to be reckoned with. She had a really hard, challenging life. And because of that, acquired many illnesses. But she was really ahead of her time. And she got connected with this woman by the name of, who was just the mother of naturopathy as we know it. And she started all, she started a lot of detoxes when I was growing up. So she got really into wheatgrass and juicing and raw food and fermented food. And it just was part of my upbringing. So I always had this home awareness of how to eat and what's good and what's natural, et cetera. That's actually a really important value and necessity. But then also just being someone who, a human being that needs to go through life experiences and a growth process, I developed a really insane, I don't like to use the word eating disorder. I like to use the word eating dysfunction because it it doesn't sound permanent, which it, it never is. But I had a really horrible binge eating disorder. And I think it was because a lot of things happened in my childhood that I really just did not know how to process. I didn't know how to understand my feelings. I had a horrible emotional intelligence. And I just lived in this really strange environment in the sense that I knew that nutrition was something that was sacred and valuable and necessary, and then also used it as a weapon against myself and a comfort. And also just was really fascinated by the subject, really fascinated by the science of it, really fascinated by helping people through that medium. So I was really trapped on all sides, both fascinated and both perplexed by how to live with it. And so I really had to, and I could say this wholeheartedly, recover from a really debilitating binge eating disorder. I had to figure out certain imbalances within myself. I used to suffer from really horrible IBS. I used to have a thyroid issue. And then 
also just by seeing it in other people's lives and just being just such a humble witness to other people's experiences and what they have difficulties with on an emotional and physical level and then using nutrition as a tool for that. It's just been a humbling experience. So for me personally, recovering from all these different ailments and from an emotional attachment to food and then also the same and just witnessing it in other people, it's just I have such a profound respect for the field. And it's such, again, a dynamic field because you use it in so many different types of scenarios. Sometimes people use nutrition. A lot of people think that nutrition is just like a means of losing weight. And I get, sometimes I get offended when people are just, oh, so you help people. Do you know what people use nutrition for? It's really useful, but it's so much more than that. And so it's just been really humbling to have just used it in my own life, have gotten over my emotional baggage with how to eat in my own life, and then have also learned how to use it as a tool for healing, I think has been really humbling. Yeah. How many years ago did you go to school to learn nutrition? I went 2006 to 2010. So that's when I graduated. And then thank God, God started working immediately afterwards. And it's just been a journey since. So since 2010, so it's been 10 years now. And where did you go to learn all this? So. It was so great. I went to UC Davis, which is the best nutrition school in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it was so by chance because I went in as an art major. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I was just like, okay, what do I really like? So I really like food, people. And I like science. So it just seemed like such a great crossover. And they had a really great program that you could do dietetics and you could do, you could do pre-med. So I actually thought I was going to be a doctor with a holistic edge. And then I was interning in a hospital. And I just realized that I really didn't want to be a doctor because I, I wanted a more intimate relationship with the people that would be coming to me because that was really important for me. And then I was just like, okay, we'll see what happens. And God runs the world. He decides everything. So as soon as I graduated, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. And I just started applying for jobs and I applied for this nutrition job. And I happened, quotation marks, happened mm-hmm. into a clinic that was just the best place for me to be. Not only was it the best clients and people who were up there and knowledgeable, it was just, it just was such a, dy- I'm using the word dynamic a lot. I guess it's the word of the day. It was just a really interesting place, the best experience. And it really trained me to be the functional nutritionist that I am today. It's fabulous. What's your favorite part of being nutritionist? I like learning about people's lives. Like hearing I it? I love it. I love it. I love hearing people's lives. And I think it's been medicine for me because I think when you grow up thinking, okay, you go from A to B to C to D to Z, all the way to Z. And you think you're taught that life is the straight line. And then you, you get all this negativity when you think that it, your life is not a straight line. And you're just like, what's wrong with me that my life isn't going straight? But then you realize that nobody's going in a straight line. And it's medicine, hearing all of these people's lives and hearing about what they've gone through. And then you learn their lessons. And it's as a young person who started working really young, someone who started working so young, I started my own business when I was 23, 24. Wow. I had to lie about my age so that my clients would trust me. But as a young person, you're hearing everyone's stories because you really have to hear everything when you're a nutritionist. You have to hear, first off, what people are eating, but you have to hear what their day is like. And you have to hear the traumas that they experience, their relationships with their spouses, their intimate relationship. You have to hear about their relationship with their parents. You get to learn a lot about a person. And obviously, I really like to help people. It's really great when you have a cancer patient and they're totally on a different trajectory of their life. But it's for myself personally, 
really nice to hear people's story and then and hear that people's lives don't go straight. Yeah. They bend. Yeah. Do you ever have clients that come to you that are dealing with depression or a severe mental illness that's debilitating or just constant in their life and you help them understand their, their nutrition better so they can recover right. a little bit or find a healing path? A hundred percent. For sure, 100%. I would say that the majority of the people who come to see me have at least some type of low-level emotional imbalance, okay? So that could be a variety of different things. That could be that they have just like the moody blues. Sometimes they have anxiety. Sometimes, And I don't say moody blues and anxiety are the same. Moody blues is more just a low-grade depression where you feel you recognize logically that everything around you is fine, but for you, life is on mute and gray, right? Mm -hmm. That's the moody blues. And then some people suffer from anxiety and it totally decreases their quality of life and that depresses them, but they, but they recognize that they're the problem and they're still a part of life. And then some people come to me with other types of emotional imbalances, OCD, extreme irritability, fear, mania, sometimes panic disorders, and they all are different. And so the interesting thing about it, when someone comes with emotional issues and however minor or severe that they are, it's always interesting to try to see what the root cause of the problem is, okay? So sometimes the root cause of the problem is just their life, right? They had life experiences, traumatic experiences that then set off a series of events. And then nutrition comes in as a crutch to give them some type of physical support in addition to their emotional support their emotional journey that they're doing separately with some type of counselor or therapist. But then nutrition is the secondary issue, not the primary issue. And that typically happens that again, when something situational, that they have to release the, the trauma from their mm -hmm. body, but it's more of an emotional thing. And then sometimes people come because their emotional imbalance is primarily rooted in something going off in their body. And nutrition is really the primary remedy for that. So if I was speaking in traditional Chinese medicine terms, for example, then what we would say is that every organ system has an emotional frequency that's related to it. For example, fears in the kidneys, irritability and angers in the liver, etc. And so sometimes when there's an organ system that's off, you will feel that emotion much more intimately and concentratedly, whatever word that would actually be. For example, just now, like I, go, I like to go to acupuncture. So I was, I was with my acupuncturist and we were talking. I was just, I just prayed all the time. And she's, yeah, because that's your kidneys and your kidneys are up. Yeah. I know, it's so annoying. But it, it's really nice when you understand that there's an imbalance and that the fear is not real. And Again, what I was saying, the moment that your body becomes more balanced, your mind and your soul feel more comfortable. Yes. So a very common one, specifically amongst Jews, are, is the MTHFR gene mutation. So the MTHFR gene mutation is something that a lot of people experience, but there are different forms of this mutation. There are a few different genes that, have, that we're speaking of. And so if someone has either a heterozygous mutation or a homozygous mutation in either one of the genes or both of them or whatever, then that basically impairs, it's a natural impairment because it's not something that they can control, impairs their ability 
to methylize and therefore create neurotransmitters. And so it's really easy to figure out if you have this, it's just a simple blood test. And if you recognize that you have this gene mutation, then all you really essentially have to do is take a methylized, a methylated, excuse me, B12 and folate. And therefore you're giving yourself something that you wouldn't be able to methylize yourself. Mm -hmm. And your ability to create neurotransmitters exponentially increases. And until that happens, because um, sorry, neurotransmitters take a while to build, it takes about four to eight weeks. Until then, you could always give herbs or other types of um, tools to give them what they're not making themselves so that they feel more balanced. But that's just if I was talking about it in a really superficial way, because there's so many other... You're saying yeah, and also... There's so many other aspects that affect why someone's feeling the way that they're feeling. And for example, the digestive tract is a huge one. Sometimes people have parasites, which causes loads of mental issues, OCD, anxiety, irritability, sometimes even mania. So I think that really what I'm trying to say after I've said all of this is that when you use nutrition as the primary source for remedying any type of mental imbalance, whether it's minor or severe, you really try to figure out where is the imbalance coming from? Is it coming from the digestive tract? Is it coming from the liver? Is it coming from the kidneys? Is it coming from something genetic? And once you're able to discern what the primary cause of the issue is, then there are so many remedies that you could apply. And that's one aspect. There's always obviously the emotional aspect that sometimes you have an emotional pattern that's manifesting this in the physical, but that's not my field. But that's always there in the background that someone has to think about. So how do you figure it out? Because this is what my, when I, w- I went to many healers, holistic mm-hmm. healers, when I was oh, recovering, I, I, I did a cocktail of everything, mm-hmm. medicine, psychiatry, therapy, EFT, healers and different kinds of healers. And I mm-hmm. read every book about different healing, but that's what they do. The, the testing, the healer will say, oh, it's coming from your liver. It's coming from your kidney. It's coming from your, the trauma is sitting here and there. Is this something mm-hmm. that you know how to do to diagnose where it's coming from as a nutritionist? Yes and no. So this is my first approach. I love testing. I love testing. And depending on whether someone could afford it or not, it's either really useful or not an option, right? Because diagnostic testing can be really expensive. But if you're extremely depressed, then you really have no choice and you have to do it. So there's a variety of different ways of assessing like what's going on with the person. I really love a Q&A. I really like to ask people about how their body's functioning. And typically when someone sees me, they know that they're going to talk to me for an hour before I even make any recommendations. Because again, I like to know about what is really affecting the person. So I ask them about their life. I ask them about their childhood. I ask them about their, how their body's functioning. How often are they going to the bathroom? If what color is it? How is it? Does it, is it, does it flow or does it sing? Do they, they completely eliminate? Like I ask really specific questions about every aspect of their body. And that gives me a ton of information. Mm-hmm. And it also really helps the person feel connected to their body because a lot of times I ask them questions that they don't even think about themselves. Once I have that Q&A, most of the time, it's very clear what the source of the problem is, but sometimes it's really not. And if it's not, then there are so many different avenues. And I think that just the more that you work in it, sometimes you recognize what would be a really good complementary tool for that person. So if I felt 
it just really wasn't clear. I might then send them to diagnostic testing, which you could do. You could test your neurotransmitters. You could test your digestive tract. But after you do the Q&A, you know where to direct them because you can't spend $5,000 on different tests and see which one's going to be the winner. Is it that expensive? It really just depends if you have insurance, if the insurance is going to cover it. But diagnostic testing, let's say for anxiety and depression, could be anywhere from $200 to $600. But again, if you're talking about multiple diagnostic testing, then that could be really pricey. If you don't know if it's coming from your digestive tract or if it's your neurotransmitters, if it's a hormone imbalance, and you're going to test for each one, that's really nonsense. So sometimes it's really good to do the Q&A first, assess what's off, and then direct the person. I'll give you an example of just what, just something that you might not even think about. So I, I had a client that came to me and he had really severe pneumonia. He was completely debilitated because he just couldn't recover. You can't work. You can't move. You can hardly work that house. It's extremely depressing. So we were having this session and it was just very clear to me that all of his emotional issues were really stemming from the fact that his pneumonia was never resolved. It wasn't clear, it wasn't clear to him. It was really clear to me in the session. And I said, listen, your body's underwater. You're suffocating. You don't have enough oxygen to be a normal human being. And so we worked on his lungs and everything went away. His emotional balance, his happiness level went through the roof. It had nothing to do with anything except for his lungs. Wait, and wait, stop for a second. Oh, what does that mean yeah. you worked on the lungs? But in a healer kind of way, in a spiritual way, or you just gave it a ton oh, no. of vitamins and nutrition for the lungs? So when you work when you work on balancing an organ system, you could do that both with food and herbs. I'm not one of these healers that could just be adjusting his energy. I'm not I'm, I wish, but I'm not that. So I, I prescribed him an herbal formula that's known for cleaning up the lungs, drying them out, etc. And that was what caused his emotional shift. Why? Because his emotional issues was stemming from the fact that he could just not breathe. Mm-hmm. How can your mind be normal if you can't supply it with oxygen? So sometimes it's so something that you wouldn't even anticipate as being the issue. Yeah. Sometimes the anxiety could be coming from Again, your digestive tract, your hormonal imbalance. I want to stop you there about the hormonal because I talk about that a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, that was my next question and I didn't want to forget it. And when you yes. said hormonal, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my, because that's exactly what happened to me when I had my early ovarian failure. After I healed from depression and anxiety, I was on top of the world. And I found out that I had early ovarian failure and I didn't understand what was going on. And I was young. I was really young. I was in my mid-30s and I'm what's going on? Do you sometimes feel stuck? Do you wish you can be somewhere else? Do you have a vision of where you want to get to, but you just don't know what the first step to take in order to get to that life that you're dreaming of? Many people ask me, what did I do in order to create this wellness that I'm living in? How did I shift from deep depression, from extreme anxiety to a thriving life, to a productive life, to a life full of joy? I put many things into practice and it's every single day. Many of you know that it's gratitude, a healthy mindset, 
boundaries, self-love, and one of the most important things that many people don't speak about, forgiveness. Self-forgiveness and forgiveness to others. Essential for healing. If you want to work one-on-one with me in order to move forward towards that dream life that you have a vision of, click the link below in the show notes. It's a custom-made program for you, one-on-one with me. We will develop a concrete program that you can implement in your life so you can create a better well-being. Click the link below. Looking forward to working with you. And now enjoy the rest of the episode. And I found out that I had early ovarian failure and I didn't understand what was going on. And I was young. I was really young. I was in my mid thirties and I'm what's going on. I didn't even know what it was. How are you older than your mid thirties? I'm 44. So yeah. And I was freaking out because I didn't understand what it was. And as it is, I knew that hormones was one of my biggest enablers to my mental illness. I knew that my hormones were very sensitive. Every time I was on birth control, I was a whack job. I was so in tune to my to birth control or any hormone change before birth, after birth. I knew that this was my issue. And then when I found out about early ovarian failure, I freaked out and I didn't know how to treat it. And I be- and I had another relapse of a, a few months of severe depression. Because mm-hmm. I, I knew it was something imbalanced in my hormones. And until right. I went to my healer and I went to the real doctors, not a healer. I went to the real doctor. I did the blood test. It was scientifically in the numbers. And they said, right. you will never be able to change these numbers. I went to my healer. We what did, kind of healer was it? He's amazing. I have, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the, I love healers. the episodes that I interview him because okay. he really said he was, the messenger that really helped me recover, really helped wow. me recover. And we, and I, I did the number that we did the scientific blood test and they said there's right. nothing changes. And with my healer, we were able to change the numbers. I started I feeling good. I felt, I started feeling well. I started, I was on a different vibration. So right. that's my next question to you, because a lot of women come to me about postpartum depression and they say, what is it? And I'm, And I want to shout from the top of the rooftops, it's hormones. Really be in tune to your hormone. Don't overlook the idea that hormones is something that is triggering for us as women, especially. And imbalances can really be a source of deep depression. Let's not forget, right? Let's just, again, make this really simple. Let's not forget that our perspective on how we see the world is dictated by hormones. And that's any type of hormone. That's a a neurotransmitter, a steroid hormone, an Mm -hmm. androgen, any type of hormone, thyroid hormone, any type of hormone is going to be what affects your perspective on the world. And just like you have, and your behavior as a result of that. So just like men have their own hormonal playground, even though we share the same hormones, their hormones are in different ratios. And that affects the male brain and how they think and how their body processes things. The same thing, our hormonal layout is different. And because it's different, we behave differently. I'm not talking about equality here. I'm not talking about men are better than women or vice versa. I'm saying the way that we think is different and it's different because of our hormonal concentration. So if your hormones are out of whack or changing and not where they are normally, then again, your mindset is going to be different. Your perspective is going to be different. Things around you are 
be wrong when they're essentially the same. It's nothing that you could do about it except for changing your hormones. And the way that you do that is going to depend on what's the cause of it. Is it something that's innate? Are you suffering from PD, PMDD, which I call which I call werewolf syndrome, which is something that basically essentially either at the time of ovulation or the time of your period, you could be so depressed that you're literally suicidal, sitting on your hands not to commit suicide. It has nothing to do with how your life is. It has to do with how your hormones have shifted 100%. at different times of the month. And there's something to be done about it. There is. Oh, That's so. exactly why I'm asking you. Give us some hope. Give us some okay. hope. So one, I want to say something that I don't think most nutritionists in my field would say, but I want to say it anyways, because I think it's really important is one, I think that it's extremely important for women who have children that they should not be discouraged to take medication. I, mean, I think there's a negative stigma. It's really annoying that there's a stigma. Better to treat it sooner rather than later. Even though the problem is most likely your hormones, you're still going to need that support. So if you're postpartum and you're six weeks, six weeks postpartum and you don't feel you can emotionally hold it together, you should schedule a session with your psychiatrist or doctor and get it treated immediately. Because what happens with women like this who feel the negative stigma- Or fear. It's also yeah, fear of medication. But the thing is, if you treat it quickly, you need to be on the medication a long time. Uh, yeah. So this is my message to all the ladies out there. If you're six weeks postpartum, six weeks is the marker. If you're six weeks postpartum and you don't feel like you can get it together emotionally, it's not your fault. You just need something to help you. And if you help yourself now, you'll prevent years of depression. Years. It's something that you can remedy now. Okay. That being said, there are a few things that you could do. And it really depends on where what where you are. I so want to add, Millie, I want to yeah. add that it's not only postpartum. I was right. three years postpartum. I was three years. That's exactly. And I needed, and I said, I need to get on medication so I can get off of medication. I cannot go the way I was so rock bottom that I didn't have any energy to work with to heal. Because you're supporting exactly what I just said. Exactly. That's what happens. People who don't take care of it at the six week mark will be like you. They'll be three years. They'll just, I hate my life. But it could be people that never gave birth also. It could be well, just any type of debilitating depression, go get help. Go get that medication. And with the medication, go to a nutritionist, go to a healer, go to EFT, go to EMDR, do whatever you have to do. And you can get off of it just like I'm off of medication for seven years. A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. So you've said something which is true. It's not just postpartum. And that's why I said it depends on what the situation right. is. So there are different reasons why someone will have a hormonal imbalance or different kinds. So for example, one is just that their period is off. Now their period could be off or their cycle is off because of some type of hormonal imbalance. Now, the hormonal imbalance could be coming from a few different places. It could be coming from the ovaries. It could be coming from the thyroid or it could be coming from the pituitary gland. Right. Now, the, in Chinese medicine, the thyroid and the ovaries line up because they will dissect, so to speak, the body in half. And whatever it touches is paired, is compared. So the ovaries and the thyroid are one. So sometimes someone could have a hormonal imbalance because they really have a thyroid imbalance and vice versa. Sometimes people have thyroid imbalances. It has nothing to do with the thyroid. It really has to do with the ovaries. And the pituitary gland is the master gland that controls both of them. And so there are nutritional 
simple things that a person can do to work on this cycle. So foods that are known not to be good for both the thyroid and the ovaries, dairy, soy, grains, these are known. So if you have either a hormonal imbalance or you have depression, anxiety, irritability that you feel is stemming from your hormonal imbalance, then the best thing that you could do is to try to abstain from these foods because they they impair the harmony of these organ systems. Okay. Now there are other things to look at. What foods can you add in to balance the hormones? To stimulate. And that, yeah. And that really, again, depends. Is it the thyroid issue? Is it a thyroid issue? Is it a ovarian issue? One thing that I do recommend though, are make sure that you're seed cycling. So have you heard of seed cycling? No. Okay. So seed cycling is this. Your hormones are built by the fats that you eat, okay? Specifically your gender hormones because they have a cholesterol backbone. So your hormones, your gender hormones are built by the fats that you eat. So if you control what types of fats you incorporate throughout your cycle, you're basically giving your body the building blocks to create the appropriate amount of hormones. So it goes like this. There are two phases of your cycle, the follicular phase, the luteal phase, the first part of the cycle, the second part of the cycle. The first part of the cycle is dictated from the first day of your period to day 14, which is technically the day of ovulation, which is not the case for everyone, but let's just pretend. And then from day 15, the day after ovulation to the day of your period. So if you have a 28-day cycle, which most people don't, but let's just say, then that would be another 14 14 days. So if you want to do seed cycling, what you do is you you eat different fats during different parts of your cycle. So in the first phase, you eat fats that are really high in alpha-linolenic acid, ALA, which would be an example like flaxseed. Flaxseed is extremely important for balancing estrogen. So because your estrogen is rising a lot through the first phase of your cycle. And that's where most people suffer. Sometimes people have estrogen dominance, which is one thing. But most people who suffer from a depression side don't have enough estrogen or it doesn't rise enough or it falls too much. We'll talk about that. So there's this rise of estrogen. You need fats that are really high in ALA. Flaxseed is the best. Pumpkin seeds are another good example, but flax by far beats it. So you want to incorporate at least a quarter cup of ground flaxseed every day through the first 14 days of your cycle. Wow. Yeah, every day. And it needs to be cold pressed, or you could just do cold pressed flaxseed oil. And then the second day of your cycle, or not, sorry, not the second day, the second part of your cycle from day 15 onward then you want to eat fats that are high in LA, which is an omega-6 fatty acid. Mm -hmm. And that would be ground raw sesame, ground raw sunflower seeds. And you want to have a quarter cup of that. And so by doing this, essentially, again, what you're doing is you're giving yourself the building blocks to build up the hormones that you need at that time. And also, if you notice in your cycle that as as soon as you ovulate, which is, let's say is day 14 to the day of your period. You have headaches, you get really tired, you get moody, you get acne. Mostly what's happening is your estrogen is dropping too quickly because mm-hmm. you have two phases of estrogen drops, the first week after ovulation and the second week. And so anytime your estrogen drops too much or too quickly, you get really thrown. And so again, the seed cycling will help with how much that falls. But then specifically, if you notice that for yourself, 
then it's advantageous to incorporate evening primrose oil, which is uh, a GLA, it's a type of uh, omega-6 fatty acid that will help you keep your estrogen afloat enough so that you don't have the significant fall and then just feel thrown. Because your estrogen is just what makes you fantastic. It's Mm. what makes women so special, so much better than men. So when it falls too suddenly, all of a sudden you feel like you're going crazy. You don't feel like yourself, not you, it's the estrogen. So if you're in, if you're feeling a huge shift after ovulation, then what you should do is you should take evening primrose oil in addition to the seeds. And I can't tell you the proper dosages because I don't know. It's really dependent it's on, depend the on the person. Yeah, of course. But a, a safe dose would definitely be 500 milligrams, mm-hmm. which wouldn't bother anyone unless they had estrogen dominance. And another thing that I'd like to add, because I'm sure someone who's listening is thinking, what happens if you don't have a 28-day cycle? Split it. Or what you do is, it depends. It depends if you have a long cycle versus a short cycle. If you have a short cycle, a 23-day cycle, which drives people crazy, obviously, then what you want to do is still keep the 14 days as phase one, and then phase two will be shorter. And eventually what will happen over time is your cycle will get lengthened. Really? Over time. Yeah. Years? No, months. But see, the funny thing about seed cycling is it's so simple and it has proven to do miracles. Yeah. And not only is it simple, it's healthy. It's so healthy. An act of giving to yourself, which is always encouraged and giving myself something. But Beautiful. another question that someone's going to ask is what happens if I have a really long cycle, a 30 day cycle? I don't want to shorten that. That's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Then you just split the, the difference. So if it's, let's say a 30 day cycle, then you're not going to change on day 15. You'll change on day 16. And don't worry if you, let's say you track your temperature and you know exactly when you're ovulating yeah, early. Don't worry about that. Keep to the equidistant phases. Things will shift. I've seen people with PMDD do this with nothing else and they feel dramatically different because again, your horm- your fats build your hormones. And here's another thing that's really shocking. Just as that, people need their omega-3s and their omega-6s to be either a one-to-one ratio or a one-to-two ratio, which means that one for every one part of omega-3 that I'm consuming, I'm having two parts omega-6. Now, where do we really get our omega-3s? We don't get it from so many foods. We really don't. It's in small quantities in most oils, but insufficient to be a one-to-two or one-to-one ratio. The only way that we really get omega-3 fatty acids in a significant form is from flaxseed oil. And so you could imagine if this it depends how you take it. There, there, are many, there are ways of masking it. In a smoothie, you don't taste it. Okay, that's a good, and that's right? good enough. It's so good enough. But this one to two ratio, most people aren't getting that. So if you're not getting the built, necessary building block that's necessary for building your hormones, for building your estrogen, you could imagine why having a hormone depressive issues is so prevalent or inflammatory issues for that matter, or anything that would negatively affect the thyroid let's say from an autoimmune perspective, because you need those omega-3s not only to build your hormones, but also to strengthen your immune system. So if anyone here is listening and they feel they have a hormonal imbalance, first thing is you want to check, where is this coming from? What is still the root, right? Because it might not be the ovaries, it could be the thyroid, something else. But if it is the ovaries and your hormones are off balance, then seed cycling 
for sure, for sure. And evening primrose oil, if you find that your estrogen drops too much. But And then also avoiding the three foods that I mentioned that are notorious for causing problems with both the thyroid and the ovaries. And this is just so, this is just- Foundation. This is the, I'm so happy. I was just going to say, Nilly, I'm so happy you gave that example because this is the tip of the iceberg of the possibilities that we can do for our body for healing. And I'm so happy that you, I'm so grateful that you said about medication because sometimes we have to do both until, until we get to a milestone that we could say, okay, maybe I can work on getting off of the medication and only work with the nutrition and whatever. But it right. can't, it, we have to be so open to doing a combination of different things, but be open-minded to the idea that nutrition is a huge part in our healing. I'm going to say something. You you made me think of something that I think is also sometimes important to add is that anytime you're working on neurotransmitters and or hormones, it takes about four to eight weeks to see shifts. And that doesn't matter if you're dealing with something holistic and nutritional or if you're dealing with medication. And the reason why it's really important to emphasize this is because sometimes when you're emotionally in turmoil, you want to I call, see a shift I, fast. I call them jumpers. All these people jumpers in the sense that they need to feel immediate relief because right. of course they're in pain. Why wouldn't they want to see immediate relief? Right. Right. And they want to see it now. And if and they don't see the change now, they're going to shift to something else quickly. And they're just going to keep shifting from one thing to the other. And they're never going to give anything the opportunity to have impact. So the one thing that's really important to understand, if you're dealing with something conventional or you're dealing with something holistic and you're dealing with hormones or neurotransmitters, it takes four to eight weeks to see change. So you have to, as a person who's investigating and doing all the things and you're open-minded and you're doing all the things that you feel are going to benefit you, you have to give it time, but the right amount of time. So if at the four-week mark or at the eight-week mark, you don't see it working for you, Again, you have that's the appropriate time to then shift things and be like, okay, I need to reconsider. What's my next game plan? But not sooner than that. Very good point. Very good point. Even medication that we take, they give us when I us because I've been on it. So mm-hmm. my doctor gave me for immediate relief right now, but it's you cannot take it long term because right. you'll get addicted. And then there's the long term that takes eight to 12 weeks to kick in and start seeing a result of being, feeling better. So there's the crutch and then there's the, the more long term. And I think it's the same thing. But what, you're, what this conversation is really motivating me to specify, which again is something that I think most people don't have the awareness of, is the following. First off, we have four different neurotransmitters at play here when we feel emotionally off. And again, sometimes it's not the neurotransmitters and people can do a neurotransmitter test to see where what their brain profile looks like. But there, there are four different neurotransmitters at play here. There's serotonin, there's dopamine, there's glutamine, or glutamate, excuse me, and then there's GABA. Now, I will tell you exactly how I'm able to discern when it's the, the neurotransmitter at play here. And the reason why I'm able to discern this is because I used to do so much testing on people and I would have to, my job was, when I was working in this first clinic, my job was to explain the test and explain the results. And so when people would come in and ex- and I would explain the test to them, I got really observant as to what their behavior was. And then afterwards, when they came in and I had to explain the results to them, it was just 
I got to match their first initial behavior with the results. And I got so good at being able to understand what the results were going to be beforehand based off of their initial observation. But this is how you could tell when there's a neurotransmitter that's off. So serotonin, which most of it is created in the gut. So when you have digestive issues, throw off your serotonin and cause depression. But serotonin is the neurotransmitter, your survival ship neurotransmitter. It's what makes you feel confident. Things are going to work out in your favor that you're okay and that everything around you is okay. And so when you feel insecure or that your environment is insecure or you feel threatened, right? Or lack of confidence, that's for sure a serotonin issue. And sometimes it's the serotonin issue that causes anxiety because how can you not feel anxious when you feel everything around you is insecure, right? Then you have the neurotransmitter dopamine. Dopamine is your joy neurotransmitter. It's the neurotransmitter that makes you feel really happy and connected to your environment and makes you motivated to be connected to your environment. So if you feel, again, the moody blues in the sense that everything around you logically is fine, but you feel really disconnected from it. You don't feel motivated to be a part of it. You just want to sleep. You feel life is great. That's dopamine. And the interesting thing, the next one, which is really fascinating is glutamate and GABA. So glutamate is the the hormone or neurotransmitter, excuse me, that makes you feel really focused and in control. And you're supposed to convert that neurotransmitter into GABA, which is the neurotransmitter that makes you feel super chill, your peace neurotransmitter. So what happens to a lot of people, and they don't realize this, is that sometimes they don't have what it takes to make this conversion. So the neurotransmitter that makes them feel really in the need to be in control and focused increases. And the neurotransmitter that makes them feel really relaxed decreases. And so what does that lead to? OCD, severe OCD, or just even that it doesn't have to be OCD, but just really controlling tendencies. And the thing that's very interesting about all of this is that B vitamins are necessary to build your neurotransmitters and make this conversion. And also more than that, you need other things. You need enough magnesium to make these conversions or to build your neurotransmitters up. A lot of people don't have enough magnesium in their diet. Chocolate is a really good source. But, and other things, there's so many natural things that you could take. So first, the first message is people need to get more B vitamins. And if you have this MTHFR gene mutation, then you're not methylating your B12 and your folate to create your transmitters. But essentially, how you can tell if you get enough B vitamins is with this question. Do you remember your dreams at night? A person should remember between one to five dreams a night. And if they don't remember their dreams, then that means that they don't have enough vitamin B6. And if they don't have enough vitamin B6, most likely they're not getting enough of their other B vitamins. And this is really funny because my husband, before we got married, he never dreamt. And then as soon as he got married and I started feeding him, he's just like, I hate eating healthy. Can't stop dreaming. So annoying. It's funny. So now I like, understand why. By the way, I my, they call me Joseph because I since I'm a little girl, I dream. And, but my dreams are vivid and they come true. So people say to me, dream about me, but only good things. And I remember my dreams. And my kids even make oh, fun of me. Hey, Mommy, what did you dream last night? What is, what's on the agenda? So it's a good thing. But when I was going through my mental illness episode, I asked my healer to disconnect me. 
I said, disconnect me. And there were a few years that I wasn't dreaming because it was too intense. I couldn't take it anymore. I said, disconnect me from the energy. That is fantastic that you did that because you needed, you needed the rest. You needed yes. to put your energy into healing yourself. Yes. So I think that was really wise. But, and then when I started dreaming, oh my God. I was, and, and, and it was therapeutic dreaming. It wasn't like intense. It was, I, I saw the shift. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm starting to dream again. That is amazing. That is so cool. <laughs> I can't wait yeah. to talk to you about that. But besides the B vitamins, other natural things that you could do, something L-theanine, for example. So L-theanine is a type of amino acid that we can call it. And what that does is it helps not only build serotonin, but it's also really necessary for that conversion of glutamate to GABA. And that's something that you could easily find in green tea. So the more green tea you drink, the more serotonin you're going to have, essentially. You could also take it in a capsule form, but if you don't want to do that, and again, I don't recommend that people start buying supplements because that in and of itself can be very dangerous because it's medicine, but you could just start drinking green tea and that over time, again, because it takes four to eight weeks to build neurotransmitters, that could be one solution. Magnesium, again, the best way to get magnesium in is through your skin, not through your diet, but through your skin because you absorb 80% more through your skin than you would through your intestinal tract. Getting an Epsom salt bath, fantastic for depression and anxiety. Best to do it before sleep time because it can make you feel a little loosey-goosey. So then that way you just feel super relaxed in, in your sleep. So I think that... There's so there's, many options. There's, there's yeah. an endless amount but of... That's, but that's also a problem, right? Because what happens is there's so much information out there that people come to me used. And it takes... And, and it makes it harder for me as a professional because what I have to do is say... I'll tell them what they need to do. And then I'll get emails. But what about this? What about this? And what about less this? Is more. So you're saying less is more. Start small, changes. Is, I wouldn't say that. Because it really just depends on what's going on. And I think it also, it really impacts our mindset. Really impacts the way we see things, the way we show up, our energy, literally our energy that comes with us into a room, into our family, into our relationships. What we consume really reflects our energy. I think it's really easy to know that once you've experienced it. Some people experience it and some people don't experience it. And some people experience it from an authentic place. And mm -hmm. some people experience it with force, like they're forcing it onto themselves. So their perspective of having that vibrancy that comes with nutrition comes at a heavy price. And I think that... and. That's the part that saddens me. One, because I, I could connect to that myself because I know that for myself because I've been there. But I, I think that if we could detach ourselves from using food as a tool for what we should be and really just give it, use it as a gift, either a gift to remedy an imbalance or a gift to sustain ourselves and we just use it for that, wow, would our relationship with food be different? Yeah, and self-love. I believe that it really built on our self-love, acceptance, self-awareness, all that comes into a package. Neely, thank you so much. I love that we, we gave examples because it, it, you gave such clarity to what the visuals of how nutrition's balance and the hormones and how it relates to us, our mood, how we, it was fantastic. And this is, as I said, a tip of an iceberg of what the potential is depending on what we're struggling with and what we're our lack of going on in our body.
and our emotions and our tip of the iceberg. Just the tip of the iceberg. So Nilly, tell me where people can find you. I know you have online courses, right? I have groups. I don't have online courses yet come. But the way that they could reach out to me is my website is jerusalemnutritionist.com. So they could always make an appointment with me through there. They could always email me. They could always WhatsApp me. I'm really available. I am available for sessions. Normally I do do, um, one-on-one sessions for nutrition therapy and functional nutrition for all sorts of different issues. And then I also do group detoxes Mm -hmm. where I have these 28 total I have this 28 total body detox program that I do with the group of women all around the world. And I also started doing this self-love group with women, small groups, so that people could really change their relationships with themselves and therefore change their relationship with food. And this is all all about self-love. It's all about self-love. Yes, it's accepting. It's giving to ourselves. It's gifting and knowing that our body is really a vessel. Going back to that first statement that I said, our body is a vessel. And when we treat something like a piece of furniture, when we like something, an antique that we spent a lot of money or we wanted, we treat it kindly. So our body is everything. We have to love it. And when we love it from a true place, we really treat it well. I think that sometimes people have a hard time connecting to that. The way that I like to say it is that your body is like your five-year-old self. So if you have a hard time expressing love and giving to your body, have the association that your body is your five-year-old self. You wouldn't treat your body as you are like you would for your five-year-old self. You wouldn't withhold from it. You wouldn't starve it. You wouldn't excessively force food down its throat. If you have a hard time recognizing that your body is a vessel, which is the ultimate image, imagine it your five-year-old self and you will see that your relationship and how kind you are to it will change. Thank you for that tip. It's a very nice mind exercise and, and clarity that people can, it's an easy tool. It's really an easy tool to implement. Thank you so much, Neely, for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you, because oh. so many people ask me about the relationship between food and health, food and health and nutrition. And I know personally that it shifted a ton in my mental health, a ton. So I wanted well, to gift it to the world. I really wanted to gift it to the world. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. If I, if I may, I just want to give one more image, which is that there is no disconnect between food and health in the sense that every little thing you eat becomes you. Yes. Like that whole expression, you are what you eat is a hundred percent accurate in the sense that when you eat a piece of broccoli, the cells from that broccoli become the cells of your human matter. And when you eat the cells of a pizza or brownie or almonds or almond milk or whatever it is that you consume that you put in your mouth that runs through your digestive tract literally becomes you. So if you have any type of health-related issue, your food is the number one thing that you should look at. Whoever's listening, if you know someone that is into food, send them this episode. And if wants to learn about food and wants to heal through food, send them this episode. Thanks for listening. Bye till next time. Thank you for listening till the end. We highly appreciate all of our listeners. And Mental Health Together is better. You being here means a tremendous amount to us. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like some extra boost of information and inspiration that is not on the podcast, you can go to our website, hopetorecharge.com. There's some premium content that for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can download some amazing information that will help you, a tool that will guide you through life. So 
don't skip a beat. Don't hesitate. Go to hopetorecharge.com and see what other offerings we have there for your mental health well-being. Thank you for joining us. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to say thank you, the best way of gratitude will be by you leaving a review or a comment or sharing this with a loved one. There is no greater form of gratitude for us. Thank you. Bye till next time.